So in May of 2002, a couple of kids got married just south of Nashville, Tennessee. My wife and I, we were 21 and 19 at the time. And 14 very short months later, our oldest daughter, Ashley, was born to those people who were still a couple of kids who had just gotten married. <laughs> and, and we started on a whole new journey as parents. And it was life-altering, life-changing. To show you how prepared I was to have children, the way that I found out has always been kind of a humorous moment. Has anybody heard me tell this story before, how I found out that we were going to have a kid? So it was, it was unexpected, to say the least. And so we're hanging out with our other really mature friends, Wes and Darcy. Some of you know Wes and Darcy. They got married the same summer we did. And so Wes and I were just doing some really kind of major adulting by hanging out playing NBA 2K in his living room. And so we're playing video games, hanging out at their house. And Amy and Darcy, unbeknownst to me, start talking. And she's realizing she's a couple weeks late. And Darcy's like, well, I just happened to have a pregnancy test. Do you want to take it? And so she goes sliding off to their master bathroom thinking, I'll take the test, I'll realize I'm not pregnant and I can move on, and then discovers she is. And so I just hear the little, hey, babe, can I talk to you for a second? And I pause my video game and get called back into my friend's bedroom and my wife tells me I'm pregnant. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? This is how ready I was to have children. I had to put down the video games to find out. Um, listen, this morning we're, we're, we're mostly talking about what it looks like to have spiritual parents in our lives and, and for us to move into that role ourselves where, where we get stretched and we grow as we step into a place where we begin to pour into the lives of others. And... I just have to tell you, you'll never feel qualified for that. I, I did not feel qualified for that when as a 20-year-old kid, I started serving in the youth ministry at, at Grace Chapel in Leapers Fork. I didn't feel qualified for that. I think most of the parents probably agreed that I wasn't qualified for that. Um, but I stepped into it. I, I didn't feel qualified to be a parent. I, I'll never forget that feeling of, putting my wife and my daughter in the car and closing the door. And like the longest walk of my life was that walk from the passenger side of the car around to that driver's side. And it just, the weight of that responsibility hit me. And I was excited, I was delighted, and I was terrified. <laughs> Whoa, what? I'm responsible for this life now? You'll never feel qualified. Can I let you into a little secret? I don't feel qualified to be your pastor. <laughs> I don't. It's terrifying moving to Knoxville and going on this adventure. But, but God invites us into those kinds of adventures. And so I just, I want to encourage you, there is a component in our relationship with our Heavenly Father where he invites us to begin to participate with him in loving others, in sharing his life with others. And a major part of the process of how we become more like him 
is by just saying yes to participating in that. He begins to grow me and qualify me along the way as I lean into that. And so I will admit to you, there's, there's a mystery to this this morning. There's a mystery to that dynamic of that relationship with the Lord where you begin to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to partner with you and give of myself to pour into the lives of other people. And I don't feel qualified for it. I don't know why you trust me with this, but I, I'm going to try. And the power of what begins to happen when we start leaning on our dad to teach us what it's like to be a dad or a mom, to be a parent in somebody's life. It's stretching, it's growing, and it's really good for us. So if you don't hear anything else this morning, I I hope you hear that call to say, hey, be willing to take that next step, whatever it might look like into influencing the lives of others, all right? So the way we're going to do this, we're just going to, we're going to kind of just take a look at Paul and Timothy together this morning. So just, just kind of a, a big picture view. There's a couple of verses we'll hone in on and look at, but just kind of a big picture view of this relationship between a spiritual father and a spiritual son. And so where we see this relationship pick up um, is in the midst of the book of Acts, uh, Paul has, has started more and more stepping into some ministry. He's had his Damascus Road encounter. His name's been changed from Saul to Paul. And, and all these years of, of being a scholarly Pharisee who knows the Old Testament forward and backwards, he's, he's watching it all fit into place in Jesus. And is realizing more and more the fullness of who Jesus is. And he feels called by God to share that truth with the world around him. And so he begins to help Um, encourage churches that already exist, help new churches and new cities form. And along the way, he has this encounter with a young man by the name of Timothy. And so we're going to pick this up in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So he actually, in some ways, can relate to Paul in that Paul had kind of that Roman citizenship heritage, but he was a a Jew. Timothy has literally a mom who's Jewish and a father who's Greek. And so, yet he's a disciple of, of Jesus. His mom was a believer, and so he stepped into faith. And so here's how Timothy was considered, verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And so Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So Paul decides, I'd like to invest in this young man's life and have him come be a part of ministry with me. And so he took him and circumcised him. That's step one. Don't you know Timothy was going, wait, whoa, 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 time out. (laughs) Hold up, what? (laughs) You want me to do what? Because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Timothy gets invited by this guy, Paul, who is just, man, he is boldly declaring the truth of who God is and people's lives are being changed. And I mean, what an honor for Timothy to get invited to come be a part of this adventure and to be mentored by Paul. How excited he must have been. And then step one is like the ultimate sacrifice. Wait, what? As a a young adult, you want me to do what? I realize there's young ears in the room, so we won't get into the specifics here, but 
needless to say, this was a sacrificial act. But see, right at the start, Paul is preparing him for the mentality that it takes to be someone who gives your life on behalf of others. It's sacrificial. Notice, the the scripture doesn't say that he was required to do this to be right with the Lord. In fact, Paul wasn't even doing it, having him do it from a legalistic standpoint. He was saying, hey, we're going to be going into communities and doing ministry, and in some instances, we're going to be ministering to people of the Roman culture, the Greek background. In other instances, we're going to be ministering to Jews. And so because of them, for their benefit, I'm going to ask you to do this this huge sacrifice. And Timothy agrees. And see, right at the outset, we see a couple of things that are vitally important. One is choosing to, to be a spiritual parent, choosing to pour into the life of another It's sacrificial. It it costs you something for the benefit of the other. There's any parents in the room, I I think we could get a really easy amen there that it is sacrificial to give your life to love your kids and take care of them. It's sacrificial. It's exhausting. It's difficult. Maybe you didn't even totally know what you'd signed up for until you were just in it. (laughs) But you did. It's a sacrifice. Secondly, the second thing that's a little more subtle here, but that I think is just as important to acknowledge, is the internal character of the person who's willing to be stretched like this. I mean, no one was ever going to check and see if Timothy was circumcised, I don't think. But it didn't matter whether people would see it or not. He, he was operating out of godly character. I'm going to represent myself accurately. And so it's not just that I'm going to do this sacrificially, but I want to be a person of character. And so if I'm presenting myself this way, I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to do it. That, that one of the biggest things that has um, surprised me over the years being in ministry is just these, these moments with people where you realize the way they view you, you don't feel like you measure up to that. Somebody holds you at some standard of spirituality or whatever, and you realize, man, I'm, I'm way short of that. Now, now number one, it's, a, it's an opportunity to remind people about the grace of God that we are imperfect people and I don't have it all together and thank God that he gives his grace and helps me. But also, it's an encouragement to say, I want to step up and be who God's calling me to be. I want to be somebody that's faithful and trustworthy and can be counted upon. Somebody who's going to be honest. Even when I blow it, even when I make mistakes, I'm going to be real about that. Because even in those mistakes, there's a, there's a teachable moment. And so Timothy starts off in the right footing. He, he's willing to be a man of character, and he's willing to, to sacrifice to go on this journey with Paul as he's being discipled and led into what's it going to be like to pour out my lives for God on behalf of others. Now, I love what immediately follows here, verses 4 and 5. As they went on their way through the cities... They delivered to them from observance the decisions that had been reached 
by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. You, you see what they're doing? Paul and Timothy weren't, weren't carrying their own message. Timothy wasn't carrying Paul's message. Paul was taking what had been passed down to him by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. Well, what message were they sharing? The one Jesus had told them to share, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. And so already, these, this is in the first handful of years of the church forming, we already see generations of believers. We see from Jesus to the apostles, and now people like Paul and then Timothy are, are taking what they have received and trying to faithfully pass that on. We don't have to invent something new. We've got something that's wonderful and perfect. It's the message of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the gospel of God wanting to come into our lives and radically change us forever. We're made whole by him. We can experience life to its fullness through him. And so they're carrying that message. What did that produce? Verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. What did it produce? Growth on every level. Those who were followers of Jesus were strengthened by faithful spiritual parents who came and faithfully delivered what had been given to them. I've received this from someone who's poured it into my life, and I'm turning around and I'm giving it away. And so those who knew the Lord and were trying to walk with him, their faith grew, and they were strengthened, and they matured. And those who hadn't heard the message, they received it and came to the Lord. And so these cities where they would go and share the gospel, the churches there grew. They got bigger numerically, and they got healthier in their faith. And it was because there were, there were people who were willing to go, to give of themselves, and who faithfully passed on what had been given. And so here's Paul, here's Timothy. Now, if, if I would encourage you to do this. If you read through Acts chapters 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, those five chapters, you, you see Timothy popping up over and over again as he's on these journeys with Paul. Um, I'm going to give you just a little taste of this now, but there was this partnership. And if you watch, you'll see this pattern. This is a basic pattern of discipleship. And so I, I want to encourage you to consider this through two lenses this morning. I want you to consider this through the lens of a Timothy. You know, maybe you're at a place where you're like, hey, I kind of just need to be Timothy for a while. Like, I would love to have someone that I could follow and come alongside and, and be stretched and grow a little bit. Others of you might feel like, hey, I'd love to sit around and be a Timothy, but maybe, maybe it's time and God's stretching you to be a Paul. And so consider this through this lens of, of how, how did Paul disciple Timothy? Because I, be, I believe this is a pattern we see throughout the scripture and what God calls us to. It's really simple if you just watch for it, okay? The first thing that happens is Paul just says, hey, Timothy, come with me. And we see Timothy pop up in the story. He's kind of an observer. He's, just, he's there. He's present. He's around Paul. And so kind of step one of discipleship is watch me. 
Now, now parents, this is happening in your home all the time. You don't, you don't even have to say, hey, kids, watch me. They are. <laughs> and if you've ever accidentally let certain words slip and then you hear them repeating them a minute later, you know that they are watching you <laughs> and listening to you. They, they pick things up. And so Timothy positioned himself for a while just to simply be around Paul, to just observe, to take things in. All right? Then the next thing that begins to happen is they begin to work together. They're partnering together. They're working alongside each other. I've got this. You, you get that. And we, we see them do this. And so what begins to happen over these couple of chapters is there are actually times where it's like they're working in a city together and then Paul says, okay, Timothy, I'm going to leave you there for a little while. I'm heading to the next town. Catch up with me later. And so Timothy is there and continues to work. So now Timothy's getting his hands dirty a little bit. Now Timothy's participating alongside Paul. This is kind of phase two. So phase one is watch and observe for a while. Phase two is let's do it together. Let's go arm in arm and hand in hand. And so so. Paul gives Timothy that opportunity. Timothy steps into that opportunity. And then ultimately where things land is that eventually they, they kind of part ways. And Timothy is staying put in an area, pastoring, leading, teaching. And Paul's on to the next phase of mission. And then that ends kind of in that final stage of discipleship where, okay, you watched me for a while. We worked together for a while. Now you got it. Go. You still get coaching. You still get encouragement, right? We've got two letters on record from Paul to Timothy, encouraging him as he was going about his ministry. But Paul has, has stepped into that role now of just go for it. You got it. Here's some things to remind you of. Here's some, here's some ways I want to encourage you along the way. But we see this pattern. And so over the course of these passages in, in chapter 16 through 20, we see we see them working together. We see salvations happen. We see discipleship happen. We see miracles happen. We also see them suffering together. It's not always easy and glorious. Sometimes it's just hard. I mean, over and over again, they're just getting run out of town. In fact, they're spending time in one city. They get run off. They go to the next city. They're working there. People followed them from the previous city to say, Hey, they were stirring up trouble back there, and we had to kick them out. Y'all should kick them out here too, and they have to go on to the next place. They were talked poorly about. They were, they were kicked out. There were times where we see imprisonment going on. Timothy watches as Paul gets thrown in prison with Silas. And so we see they suffer together. So they work alongside each other. They see fruit. They see miracles. And then they go through hard times and hard seasons because that's real. That's real. And then ultimately, as we said, they, they began to work apart. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but I just thought it was really cool and wanted to take a couple minutes to highlight this. So as, as Paul and Timothy are growing in ministry together, Paul begins to not only build up Timothy by pouring into him, he gives honor towards Timothy in front of other people. He, he encourages him to say, hey, look at Timothy growing and walking with the Lord. Look at this young leader. And builds him up publicly, affirms him publicly. And Timothy even begins to participate with Paul in how they influence other people. And so watch what Paul does here. We see an example of this 
in 1 Corinthians. Um, Timothy's actually mentioned in both letters to the Corinthians. But in the first letter, Paul, Paul is, um, on some level, he's taking the Corinthians out to the woodshed. This is like dad ain't happy kind of moment. Um, there is some encouragement in this letter. There's some building up in this letter. But he is correcting some things that are off track in this letter. And so he's, he's reminding them of the importance as a church of having spiritual leaders in their lives and recognizing those leaders aren't trying to be king and be in charge. They're, they're trying to faithfully serve the body of Christ. And so he paints this picture in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. This is how one should regard us, spiritual leaders, the, the apostles, Paul himself, should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So he's, he's unpacking to them, listen, we're just trying to steward well what we've been given. God has entrusted us to pour into your life. And I realize I'm writing you a hard letter that's challenging at times. But I'm doing this because I'm like a father figure in your life. I love you. And, and so I'm bringing this correction because I take this stewardship seriously. I want to do my job faithfully. And, and then notice what he says. He goes on. If you, if you go a little further, we're going to look at it in a second. Through this chapter, we get down to verse 14. And now as he's bringing this encouragement and correction, he identifies Timothy, who he has sent into their midst to be his representative. So he's letting Timothy step into this role of being like a corrective father. That would be super intimidating. And so Timothy has to step into this role. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you, you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ, in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere and every church. So he gave them a practical picture of what a father figure looks like. He sends them a letter with some direction and encouragement. And even though it was tough, he said, this is for your good, I love you. And then he sends his representative, Timothy. Timothy steps in practically, physically, tangibly in this role of bringing encouragement and correction and reminding them of what Paul had taught. That's a, that's a scary moment. That's a difficult moment. Listen, that, that actually, I, I don't know how you view yourself, but one of the things the scripture calls us is that we're ambassadors. What an ambassador does is they represent someone else. They go into unfamiliar or uncomfortable territory on behalf of someone else, and they carry that person's message for them. And their job is to accurately reflect that message. That can be scary, going into tough, difficult, new territory and doing that. But that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Listen, I, I acknowledge this stretches us. Anybody ever struggled with sharing their faith before? My hand is up for a reason. <laughs> I've absolutely struggled with that. But, but those moments that can feel the most scary, 
they're so good for us and they're so needed by the people we're called to. I don't even know what the Lord might have in store. If we, we aren't doing this this morning, but if we were to really do a deeper dive into the letters to the Corinthian and the Corinthian church, we see that, that later Paul is thanking them because they did what he was calling them to do. He was giving them encouragement that, hey, guys, you walked out some of these tough things, and now in, in the letter, the second letter to the Corinthians, he's encouraging them. There's still stuff to grow and work on, but he's encouraging them. Great job. Why? Because they listened and responded, not just to Paul's leadership, but to Timothy's, because Timothy was willing to go and be a representative. I, I just wonder... I want to encourage you to do this, whether you do this in this moment right now or you think about it this week. Maybe it's a a reflection in our life groups this week, but I, I want you to consider, are there actually some people in your life that God has perfectly placed you there where you're the representative? You're the you're the Timothy to their Corinthians. You're the Paul to their Timothy. There there's that person that God's uniquely placed you right there to be an influence in their life. What if we stopped and really identified who is that? One of the things I've I've tried to stay aware of in in my life as I've gotten older is I want to be able not just to answer this question, but to know that I'm I'm walking this out. I want to be able to answer the question, who, who are the Pauls in my life right now? Is there anybody in my life that I've submitted to their leadership that loves me, is encouraging me, I'm learning from them, they can call me out on stuff? Like, can I identify who are those Pauls in my life? But equally as important, can I identify the Timothys in my life? Am am I consciously aware of people that are around me that I have the opportunity to pour into them? Am I doing that? Am I asking the Lord to help me do that? Am I doing it faithfully, as Paul talked about here in this letter to the Corinthians, being a faithful steward? Let's let's consider that and step into that. And what I love about this is, as, as Timothy stepped into this faithfulness, he begins to be listed as a co writer in Paul's letters. Now, Paul gets the credit for writing these letters, and man, they they do seem to be very much from him. <laughs> A lot of his personality comes through these letters. But on some level, Timothy was so cooperating in the process that Paul, at the opening to his letters, begins to list Timothy as a co-writer with him. I want you to see this. We're actually going to put this on the screen. He does it in the second letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth. Timothy gets writing credit for the letter to the Corinthians, the second letter. Let's continue on. There's more of this. Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Paul and Timothy writing a letter together to this church and to the leaders of that church. Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. The letter to the Thessalonians. In fact, both letters to the Thessalonians open exactly the same way. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, 
to the church of the Thessalonians. Letters 1 and 2 both open like that. Even a personal letter, the letter that's titled to Philemon, it actually was to him and a couple other folks. Philemon chapter 1, there's actually only one chapter, but chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to you, Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. They were writing personal letters to people who just had a little house church. Do you ever stop and consider how many of Paul's letters, Timothy's name is on them? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. He, he stepped up. He grew. He was having influence. Paul, on some level, is hashing out these letters with him. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Timothy has input. He knows these people. He's poured into their lives. And so they're co-laboring together to build up and encourage these churches. Paul has involved Timothy in his ministry, and Timothy faithfully, over time, has proved faithful. I want to I wrap things up this morning looking at this. As Paul as, is, is entering like the countdown to the end of his life, he's now in a prison in Rome. His death is imminent. And the last letter he writes that, that we have on record here is this letter to Timothy. And Paul is encouraging Timothy in 2 Timothy to, to be faithful, to stay the course, to continue on in what he's been doing. And he specifically encourages Timothy to do something. I want, I want us all to see this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child... Notice the, notice the, the language of, of love and intimacy there. He's not belittling him. My son, my child, I love you. They've kept this father-son relationship. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Every now and then, it should, it should impact us a little bit that the reason we're sitting here is because of faithful men, faithful women, like Paul, like Timothy, who have faithfully passed on down the generations the message of the love of God. And I just, I wonder how our lives might look a little bit different if, if we took on a little bit of that sense of stewardship to say, what if there's some people in my life that the way they're going to be sitting in a healthy, right relationship with God one day is because I was faithfully willing to share the hope and truth of the gospel with them? What if God has uniquely placed me in such a time, in such a place, in such a season to influence this life. It's stretching. It's hard. It's difficult. It's sacrificial. And it's actually for our growth and benefit. The whole body grows when we realize God wants me not only to be a Timothy, but he wants me to do what Timothy did and become a Paul. God wants me to faithfully carry what's been given to me and pass it on to others. 
And I, I just think some of us, you know, we've been, we've been looking at this through the, the grid of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And I, I don't know that it's a perfect line that you draw. I think, I think we grow in knowledge and we grow in wisdom and we grow in understanding. But when I think of understanding, it's that place where it's like, I don't just have the information. I haven't just used it for a while. Like, I, I've really applied myself to something in my life to a point where I start to see how it all fits together. The word understanding in the New Testament, it, it has this picture of seeing how things flow together or seeing how things fit. It's like you see all the pieces of the puzzle coming together. There's a depth of knowledge and understanding that comes from I'm doing the work. I've had so many aha moments in my life as a parent where who my parents are and what they did suddenly starts to make sense. <laughs> All the things I was frustrated by and disagreed with and wished were different, suddenly it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. What is that? Understanding. Not because it was explained really good on a whiteboard, because I, I lived it. I got, I got stretched as a parent myself and began to have deeper understanding of what it meant to give my life for the good of another and realize, man, this is, this is hard. And man, a lot of this, I don't even know what I'm doing as I go. And so I'm not only dependent upon the wisdom of my parents before me, I'm dependent on the grace and presence of God. I think for some of us, there is another step in our relationship with God that would just grow and blossom and get like like new life breathed into it if we would let ourselves be stretched to partner with him in ministry. I mean, part of me thought about just telling a few stories from my own life this morning. Maybe I should have done that. I don't know. Just these, these aha moments that came and they were only a result of like being in positions I didn't want to be in, that I didn't feel comfortable being in, didn't feel qualified being in, but I just said yes and then there were these moments where it's like God just opened up my eyes and gave me a glimpse of something I'd never seen that way before. A picture of his love, of his heart, of his presence towards me. And that he was inviting me into a little bit of that. Because I decided to partner with him and share his life with somebody else. I don't know what all he might have in store for you, but I know it's good. And I know, I know that it takes some stretching because we begin to live more for others than for ourselves. I mean, that's the ultimate thing that a parent is. It's someone that's living more for others than for themselves. I like to think I do that in marriage. That's still a work in progress. But man, you really step into that when you're parenting. You're giving of yourself for another. And that's the picture that's painted here in, in the closing few verses I've got. As he tells him to entrust this to faithful men, he just reminds him. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So he's living for something more. An athlete is not crowned until he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. He's highlighting these people that, that do something sacrificial. They put in a lot of work. They may not even see the end results for a while, but they give themselves to the process. And he closes and says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That's what the Lord wants to do. Would we think over what he's saying? Would we think over his invitation to be disciples 
who make disciples? Would we think over his invitation to have our lives poured into by spiritual parents as imperfect as they may be? Would we allow ourselves to step into being spiritual parents ourselves as imperfect as we may be? And watch how God might deepen and grow us and our understanding and maybe we even get some glimpses along the way of how God touches the lives of other people. And we get to see what Paul and Timothy saw, Acts 16, 4 again. As they went through the city, on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Man, that we could see the church healthy and growing. When you read church, I hope you just read people. This isn't a message about how Grace Chapel in Knoxville grows and is healthy. This is a message about how we influence the lives of people who need Jesus, who need to be in his family, and who are in that family and need to be encouraged along the way because it can be hard at times, and decide, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of contributing to the health and the growth of my father's family. And so I'm willing to step up and be a spiritual parent, unqualified as I may be, because he specializes in using those unqualified Peter people. I said Peter. <laughs> I said unqualified Peter, and I was saying people. That's actually a perfect example. Old unqualified Peter preaches and thousands of people get saved. You're qualified. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you, God, that you see stuff in us that we don't even see in ourselves. God, thank you that you love us enough to invite us into your family, to bring us in as children. You tell us to come just like that. It's okay that we're messy and young and we don't have it all together. We come like a child. And you love us and you father us and you pour into our lives. And God, you hang in there with us as we stumble and grow and learn. And, and God, one day you invite us to start becoming a little bit more like you. To begin to pour into some other kids and watch them grow. God, I, I pray that wherever, wherever we find ourselves in this journey, that, that we would be saying yes to you. Not yes to doing certain things, but yes to a way of life. Walking with you, knowing you, and learning to love more like you. God, we need your help to do that, and that's kind of exactly the point. We get to grow in our relationship with you as we choose to walk out this role of being a steward or a parent who pours into the life of another. Jesus, thank you for those who've gone before us. Lord, help us to faithfully do our part to contribute to the health and growth of your family. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen.